Welcome, family. Yes, this is once again, this is O and L and Crushes on the Way. Thank you once again for checking in to another off the cuff segment. We appreciate you guys, our day ones, ride or die. Your your patience, especially your patience. We was gone for a minute. Your patience, your attention, and most importantly, your dollars that help to keep funding strong, independent black media. So with that out the way, my guy, listen. After folks listened to the segment about your your life's transition, ooh, I began to get the most interesting comments of people jumping in my DMs. And one of the most interesting ones oh, wow. was whether or not L ever considered an open marriage. I said, I can't speak for L to tell you whether or not he's thought about an open marriage. However, it is something that we have never spoken about on the show. So I'm going to broach it to you, L. Given everything you've gone through, given your other life's experiences, oh, would you ever consider an open marriage? I don't know if the people are ready for me to have this conversation just yet. L, don't play this uh, game with me, dog. Just go ahead. Okay, listen, you, man. The uh, only thing we do is keep it funky here, so just keep I'm gonna it keep funky, I'm going to keep it with you. I have yeah. probably for the past three or four years been in this state of what white people call uh, deconstruction, right? What they call deconstruction is them unpacking their religious spiritual experiences to try to get to some level of truth and freedom, right? Uh, hmm. I have been through that process. I, I've, you know, we've had conversations about my yes. time in the church and all that transition. But one of the areas that I've been also examining in that realm is relationships right? Particularly marriages, because I think relationships, the reason why we do marriages is largely based off of Christian, Christian principles, right? Even if you're not a Christian, it's a Christian component to it, right? The Bible, we we understand. I don't have to go. There's a Judeo-Christian, yeah, there's a Judeo-Christian element that's involved in it. So I've been examining that, right? I've been really having some really hard questions and conversations with myself and with a few select others right that i can Mm. you know have these conversations with who are not going to think that i've just lost my fucking mind but one of the things that i've been examining is the idea of monogamy right from the standpoint of uh i think the conversation that i had with a homie who's about to get married is are you okay with having the same vagina for the next 50 years right and he initially thought that i was joking but i said no i'm not joking i think it's a a serious question i think it's a question that we should be having with our mates are you content with having just sexual intercourse and intimacy with me for the rest of your life uh and i think that's an important component go ahead let me ask you this then because i mean I don't want people that hear this to assume that we are just melting down a whole marriage Mm. to one aspect of a marriage. 
nope. right? Nope. Because some folks may hear that and be like, damn, nigga, there's nothing else besides sex no, that no, you no, can no, look no, forward no, to no, in a relationship? No, no, no. no. and so, so as I continue with that same train of thought, it's not just a sexual intimacy, right? But it's also mm. intimacy with other people. So one of the things that happens with us when we get into a relationship is we typically will forsake all other intimate relationships with anyone of the opposite sex, right? What do you mean by intimate? Well, uh, sharing intimate thoughts. I'm not talking about physical intimacy, right? I'm not doing that because I don't think people, but I'm talking about emotional intimacy. I'm talking about mental intimacy. You don't have conversations with your ex who you once were madly in love with and thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with the moment that you get into a new relationship that motherfucker don't exist anymore like right, <laughs> that, right, that, right. Motherfucker, that, that never happened that's not right, part right, of right, your right. history when you see them you cross the streets yeah, you know yeah, you, yeah. you do all of this work to cut yourself off from a space that you used to be in and i think there's other ways of addressing that right i don't think you necessarily have to hop back into some sort of intimate relationship with your ex. But I think it's also, it's not healthy to immediately cut yourself off from people that you once loved in the way we can condition to do. Hmm. So I, I, I've been unpacking that and I haven't landed at a place yet. I've looked, looked at, you know, open marriages, uh, you know, uh, ethical non-monogamy, right? I've looked at polyamory. I've looked at all of these components. I need you to back up. I need you to back up and explain that ethical non-monogamy. Ethical non-monogamy is... I've never heard of that. It's E-N-M, right? Really popular within certain realms. We have a homeboy, a friend of ours that we share collectively, who is currently in a polyamory relationship who was once married and we once was cool with him and his wife, who is now in a polyamory relationship with two women. And one of the women just had his baby. <laughs> yes, that dude right there, right? So ethical non-monogamy is not being in relationship with people but not being committed to the point where you can't act on other connections and energies and vibes that you see with someone else. No, no, say that one more time, because I think I might have missed being in a relationship with someone, but it yeah. not being but so not conforming same, yes, that you can't. the same boundaries of monogamy, right? And again, I think me and you've had this conversation a long time ago where I said, I've always wanted to be in a relationship that if I met another woman somehow, some way that I can come home and tell my wife or my partner, yo, I met this chick and I'm really digging her, you know, flirting. That doesn't mean right, I necessarily right, right. want to be intimate with her, but I wanted to be in a space where I could have that type of conversation. Right. And this realm, ethical non-monogamy, polyamory and open relationships is a growing segment within the black community, right? And let's keep it a buck. 
open relationships and polyamory and ethical non-monogamy are things that typically have been happening within the black community anyway, right? That's how half y'all got y'all baby daddies and y'all baby mamas and y'all just been cheating. And there's also a solution to all of this heartbreak that you motherfuckers have been experiencing if you can just actually learn how to communicate with each other and say, yeah, uh, I'm really feeling this chick. I don't know what to do. Can we talk about it and try to work something out? That doesn't mean I actually have sex with this person, but I don't want to be going behind your back, hiding texts and having other mm. email accounts set up. Mm -hmm. I want to be in a relationship where I can have that conversation. And I think, listen, me, Elgin, I will never be in another fully monogamous relationship again in life. I don't see you? it in my future. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, two now, parts to this shit, man. Let's, this be good. Clear, let's be completely clear. Okay. For the people who are not familiar with this, the first thing they're going to accuse me of is being hurt by previous relationships and, and not wanting <laughs> to be committed to one woman. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. nothing in my I was, I, I, was about to, I was about to say that because you know the sisterhood of the traveling pants are going to jump out no, there no. and be like, yeah, and your man Elgin trying to do some pull some moves. Who's going to be more receptive to this than anyone else? Who? Black women are going to be more receptive to what I'm saying than black men. Right? Because Ex part explain, of the Explain, explain. Black men, their issue when it comes to relationships is we have the same thought. All of us, I believe, on some level have the same idea. How am I going to have the same level of intimacy with this wonderful person who I love for the rest of my life? Because part of what has happened is we conflate love and sex to mean the same thing. So for Next. most of us, there's an equation there. If I sleep with someone else, while I'm in a relationship, it means I no longer love the person I just said I'm in love with, right? Because oh, wait, oh, hold this... on, another element to that is respect too, and and that's what comes in with the ethical non-monogamy parts, right? There's mm -hmm. a level of ethics there where there's communication that takes place, where there's permission granted, where you and your partner you'll talk to them and say because cheating still does take place within all of these spaces and all of these realms it's not just a free pass to go fuck whoever you want to mm, 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 mm. with you already answering part of the question that i was going to ask i think i'm going to say this you said that you do not you do not believe that you're going to be in another traditional monogamous relationship no, I doubt it. ever mm. again are you mentally and emotionally prepared to enter into one of these circumstances that you just, just described? Fascinating question. Because part of the work that I've done is to make sure I ask myself those questions before I enter into one of those relationships, right? Yeah, it's a very because emotional again, haul, man. There's another, not only is it an emotional haul for myself, there's another human being on the other side of this, right? Who has feelings that I got to be considerate of. I right, just can't. Right. So for me, I think mentally, I'm in that space where I can do it. I think even emotionally, where I'm, I'm still in the space where I can do it. I think what I'm working on examining is the male ego side of this, right? And that's the side of feeling like whoever I'm having actual sex with, because I'm giving you good dick. I'm giving you pleasure i'm giving you something that you're going to want to continue to have right 
I'm giving you that. But the male ego side for us is where this is level of ownership that comes. I was in. about to say that. Yeah, right? there's, about, there's so a strong now, level of ownership. I'm giving you this and I'm making you feel all types of ways. And we immediately equate women emotional center centering and coming forth through their vagina. So if I'm giving you good sex, now I'm controlling a woman's emotional center to be able to do whatever I want to do. But that's okay, not okay. true. Fall, fall, fall back, fall back real quick. Oh, yeah. Because I Go think ahead. that that element, that argument can also be made with women. There is a level of quote unquote ownership, mm -hmm. at least in from, I, I think like when we, when you stop and think about it societally that we hear all the time that when that a come woman from? come. I can say that it comes from the patriarchy, but I don't want to jump to that conclusion, though. I don't I think don't it's just the patriarchy, but I think that is one area that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'll never. I'm working hard to never use that language. Of what language? Mine of ownership. Mine. Okay, mine. Dig it. Mine. Dig Particularly it. when it comes to to women, right? I I don't want to do that because I it reinforces this male ego component where now I'm owning you and I'm not giving you the freedom to do it because part of this thought process and mindset is if I'm going to be in these spaces, whether it's an open marriage, ethical non-monogamy or polyamory, the person I'm with has to have the same yeah, it has to doesn't be have to on board. because there are situations where that is not the case where the man or the mate one of the people in the relationship has that and the other one has a monogamous viewpoint typically it doesn't work out very well doesn't last very long yeah, is, but i gotta be mindful of that right because if i hold that view i gotta be in a place secure wise right where whoever i'm with as my partner to know that she might go on a date and get dicked down by somebody else I got to be okay with that. Yeah, because... yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I dig it. I dig it, man. I, I, man, I'm going to tell you, I do not know if I am emotionally strong enough to even have that concept. It happened a while back that there was an interview that the Breakfast Club did with uh, Jadena. And he talked about how he pushed this open relation. I won't say pushed it, but there was an open relationship between him and his girl. Sure. And to he said the thought of knowing that your girl is there getting stroked down by some other dude is like the most, according to him, like the most humbling thing that he could have ever experienced. Right, because like you think that you are that man, you know, as a man, you we put our prowess and our manliness in, in our, our sexual. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, and, though, you've been in relationships. Well, let me put that. Not put that on you. I apologize. I've been in relationships where I've been involved with women who were in a relationship with someone else. I've been either the other dude. So you've been the side piece before. I've been the side piece. I've been the side piece okay. on more than one occasion. I've either been the side piece or I've been in a relationship with a woman who oh. thought she was cheating. But you but knew what time it was. I knew what time it was, and I still was dicking her down. I, d I, so dig, what it. I is, dig it. What is the distinction between being the side dude and knowing somebody else is hitting it and being okay with it? 
And you see what I'm saying? You see, see where I'm going? Yeah, I, I think dig it's, it. I dig it. I dig it's it. a mental, a mental thing. And I, again, I wish in all sincerity. Hold up. Whoever... You've been the, you've been the side dude and knowingly been the side dude and been knowingly comfortable being the side dude. Is that what I'm, is that what I'm supposed to pull from that? Fuck Yeah. On multiple occasions have I been the side dude. You wonder why? I'm, because there is wild benefits from being the side dude. Being a single side dude? What? Motherfucker, I ain't got to call you all the time. I ain't got to see your ass all the time. And when I do see you, I'm getting 100% of everything because you miss me? So I'm getting the best sex. I'm getting the best food. I'm getting the best company. I'm getting the best jokes because I didn't mm-hmm. get it the other five days mm-hmm. out of the week. Mm-hmm. What? You know what? I don't know. I don't know if I have knowingly been the side dude, but I've been in relationships where I knew that they weren't. Let me let me make sure that I'm clear. I've been in relationships where the woman was not in a committed relationship, but she was. Sowing her royal oats, I'm so let, to speak. I'm right? my, tri- yeah. my, tri- <laughs> my my shit hang all the way. I've been in <laughs> relationships where I've been the side dude for married women as a single dude. Fully <laughs> new. Why? Why? I've with the ring on everything. Yes, I've 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 played that role one time and I didn't yeah. know, and it was it was a uh, it was an experience. I'll just say. Climbing down balconies is not the greatest thing for somebody after you've exhausted yourself. Oh, no, I ain't climbing. We, 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 we talked about that beforehand. If you get caught, I hope he can fight because I can fight <laughs> and I can I'm sorry. Wow. I, can't, I, I, can't, I can't cross that line. Yeah. Hold up. You see, hold up. You see this dude crush face while we was talking? It seemed that looked like the face of a man who's you know, been see, the side see, dude on many there's, occasions. There's, see, there's, Say hello to the bad key. guy. Oh my God! There's a key element here that I can't I can't get past. Right, like I refuse because I've been in that position once, and I realized that I wasn't comfortable. I'm too selfish to be ancillary Mm. penis. You know what I'm saying? I must be the same. Now I know that there will be consecutive penis in your life. I don't mind being part of consecutive penis, but I will not be part of simultaneous penis. I will not be a party to that. Now, if she wants to be party to that, then she's not mine. Then she's just not mine. You know what I'm saying? But Elgin and I had this conversation before you jumped on, Crush. Who who, who wants to endure simultaneous penis? Not my type. Hold up, hold up. Elgin and I had that conversation before you came on. It seems as though you might have an issue with ownership. That you don't own these women. You're just they are they are here. It's not, about, it's not about me only anything because once, once, once I realize once I realize that you are free to have ancillary penis, then you are not then you do not belong with me. You belong to the I dig it. I dig it. I'm, in a, I'm in a in a stage now where I think I can be selfish. in a, and I know it's gonna be wild for some people to hear, but I can be in a committed relationship where I have full on love trust and respect for my partner and her and I engage in outside sexual activity. 
Say that one more time, sir. I can be in a fully committed, healthy, loving relationship with a woman, full of respect, honesty, support, all those things, where we engage in outside sexual activity, whether that be, and there's a broad array of things that can take place that fall underneath that outside. I'm not in a place anymore, man, where I feel like my views on sex and relationship have evolved so much over the past 10 years that this idea that I got to love you or be in love with you in order for me and you to get together and sweat and moan for a little bit. I, I just don't think that's necessary. Yeah, yeah, but I also yeah, know yeah. that I'm in the minority and entering in this stage of quote unquote singleness. I love having these conversations with women like I love it because you get a a really good idea of their view and understanding of relationships when you have this conversation. When I tell them, mm. I can be, I'm gonna be 110% honest with you. You're not the only one. Mm. And I'm okay with me being the only one for you. Yeah, yeah. As long yeah, as we're yeah. together, we respect each other, have conversations. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to get all tested. Takes. You get tested. All those things. No, nah, we can have a great life together. It's all it takes. You have a different, you have a different dynamic that some of us, well, you have a different dynamic that some listeners may not have, though. You've got three little girls that need to be, that you need to be concerned with. And that's a whole nother conversation. So that's, that's an uh, aspect of, me in relationships also, right? Because they still have a relationship with their mom, right? Yeah. They still. Yeah. So I I am incredibly mindful of, so any of the stuff that I'm talking about will never be something that my kids would know about until they're at a stage or age where we can have that conversation. But right now yeah, it's like, that is going away for a week. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. It makes perfect sense. Shout out for the, the, the listeners, man, who ask the questions. And don't be afraid to hop in my DMs and ask the questions. I, I mean, told you, Elgin, you already know that folks are scared of you. You have, a very, you have a curmudgeonly appearance about yourself sometimes. I do. I do. Your demeanor do. sometimes can be very hands-offish. Yeah, so, you can be ready. Fuck all y'all. Don't talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm you do, you do, st you do start every show with fuck these but, listeners. So, but, but <laughs> I don't know how. But, but, <laughs> how but, the truth, but the truth is, Elgin is an open book. Yeah, he, literally, I'll give you that. I give you that. I give you. I give you that, nigga. Now, whether or that. not you want to read that book is up to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, that's gonna be a bestseller, baby. Let me tell you. <laughs> And I start telling them stories. Crush it on the crush it on the you know. <laughs> <laughs> when the after the rally, you know. I, I, <laughs> all right, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know this is what we do here. We're going to keep it one hundred percent funky before we jump into the real thing. Have either of you spoken to your spouse, your significant other, about an open marriage while you were married? No, I keep didn't. it funky. I wish I would have. Not to say well, hold on, whether serious or not, whether serious or not, have you have you ever broached it? Uh, not necessarily yeah, yeah, open yeah. marriage. I mean, it's been sixteen but... years. Yeah, it's it's come up. I, I mean, wish I would I have. Yeah, it's been <laughs> Shut up, nigga. 
I wish I would have. <laughs> now listen, man, I'm serious. I wish we would have had, the, that's one of the many conversations I wish we would have had around, because I think, again, that, that's a whole nother podcast, but I yeah, I it. wish I would have. In the future, mm. whoever she is, oh, we having that conversation. Oh, she know what time oh, off jump. Oh, yeah. Before you get my IG, you get, you get that conversation. <laughs> I get, I get it. You <laughs> stupid. You stupid. Nah, but me and my wife, while, a while back, we, I won't say we had a conversation hey, about, but I had watched. Don't say anything that's going to get you fucking killed tonight, okay? Please. No. Uh, <laughs> you know. Just want to be clear. Why. I don't no, want you. I cannot contribute. Yeah, I will not let my get, shit. Don't get, don't get her in trouble you. with her parents. Okay? That's him. You, you can that's, get her in trouble with her parents. I can easily. do some shit. You can't do some shit. Listen, that's why I love you because you, you always look it out for your boy. I know. You're stupid. Nah, so, so what ended up happening was that we were just joking around. We were watching TV, and I forget what it was that we were watching, but it was a Muslim cup. No, it was a. TV, a TV series that's on Netflix from South Africa, right? And one of the big bosses in the show has multiple wives and a mistress, right? So I teased her and I was like, you know, no, real talk. So I teased her and I was like, you know, it would be real interesting if you had a sister wife. Maybe I should start looking for one. And she said, does that mean that I can look for a brother husband for you? And I looked at her and I said, that would be your feelings. I'm not going to lie. I did get my feelings, right? Like not initially. Right. But then I said, I said, you know, that the numbers don't bear that out. Right. There would be no reason for you to get a brother husband for me. She said, what do you mean? I said, statistically, there are in the world close to three women for every man. You would be stealing a resource from another woman if you I'm were so to glad. get me a brother wife, a brother husband. Resource management. You would, you'd be stealing a resource. I said, whereas on the other hand, I am just adding value to our familiar picture. Someone else who helped take care of the children, manage bills, all of these things. And you just want to just want to steal some dude from some unsuspecting woman who's trying to who's trying to that find a out, man. That work out well for you're trying to make it. You're trying to make it. That work out Nigga, well. she she slept with a pair of scissors to remind me of my mistake for quite some time. Sure. You said you you want to wake up with no nuts, don't you? <laughs> so even even to this day, when I when I get rowdy with her, sometimes she said maybe you should go talk to your to my sister wife. Meh, 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 meh. Listen, I, I think your wife I said you never want you never want to let that shit go, are you? I think your wife is a phenomenal woman who has some fine ass fucking friends, by the way. So if y'all listening. <laughs> L just said every shot. Every shot. Listen, when they start popping back up on the show, and I hit O up like, yo, remember old girl, invite her back, bro. Don't get say his wife started, man. You know, women in matchmaking, man. They got it's a passion. It's a passion for them. I didn't announce on social media anything about my relationship. Like, I haven't changed my relationship. As you shouldn't. Nothing. As you shouldn't. But there's something in the water, right, that it's like, 
women have gotten a hint of what has been going on. You've been more you've been more free. Bro, my DMs have been fucking nuts. If I get one more good morning from a motherfucker I haven't talked to in 10 years, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's fascinating. Let me, let me, no, 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 no. The, the question needs to be hey, broached, bro, Elton. No, I'm not responding to any bro, of these motherfuckers. Sometimes, no, you, you, that's, sometimes, one, I know you're lying, but two, times, the fact that these women are hitting you up 10 years after the fact, does that mean that you've been in constant relations with these people? Oh, no. Uh, no, 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 no. It's been like, it's nah, just, I Sometimes you are called to be a lumberjack. Yeah, bro. There's listen, a vast, there's a vast. And I'm, forest, I'm coming through swinging the hammer in the axe, bro. Listen, and, we might, and we have to get to work. Listen, bro. I think, I think, I think, I think Elgin has been called, called back to the profession <laughs> of, of lumberjack right. season, man. It's lumberjack I don't, I don't, season for me. I don't know if they want that motherfucker to come back. That motherfucker right there was. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Because I mean, lumberjack was, season. He was cutting with a different cloth. You know like, <laughs> it was terrible. Mm, mm, mm. So, so, so uh, more, more, more of this conversation is that Elgin is now for the streets. So everybody just, just come. I'm for the streets. Do, do come and I want all the smoke. Bring all Because again, I can fight and I got guns. So I don't know what to tell you. Elgin, I don't got money for bail. So just be careful with that. I ain't going to jail ever. Bro. I, I see handcuffs. I break out. I don't know what to tell you, bro. <laughs> Listen, oh, in so the bedroom outside the threshold. That's a threshold? That's a threshold? That's a threshold? He's stupid. That's a safe word. That's a safe word. You're so stupid. That's a, you better get the fuck out of here, Officer Frank. Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up? Back once again, it is the incredible In the Black Podcast. And in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown ass men who know sometimes you got to hang up your uh, hang up your belt when you get married. Man, I mean. I don't want to sound too hide, sad. Hide it, in the, hide it in the basement. That's all. <laughs> hide that intercontinental belt in the basement. I am your host, Big O, Mister in the Black himself. But you know, I can never do this alone. Let me introduce. Let me introduce the rest of uh. Who do you guys want to be tonight? New edition. I'm. I'm gonna let you be new edition tonight. Nah, let me introduce be, the rest of new edition. That girl is poison. <laughs> Crush, Ooh, say what's up, man. Y'all be Mike Bivens. He got all the money, so shit. <laughs> Just say what's up to the people. God damn it. It's good, everybody. El Cabong, say what's up. El Cabong in the building. What's happening? Bullshit. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and if you're checking this out on YouTube, make sure that you finesse that thumbs up button. It help goes a long way. Works with the algorithm, gets this video out in front of all other people that are like-minded just like you. Make sure you hit that subscribe button as well so that you don't miss out on the next video. And you can support us by following us across social media at In the Black PDCST. That's Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. But if you really want to become part of the family, L, please tell these folks how they can do that if they want to do that, man. Man, listen, head on over to our website www.intheblackpcst we have some outstanding <laughs> Did, your dyslexia just jumped in there my nigga. PC, 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 
BBD, PC, BBD, IT, nigga. BBD, ESPN, QVC. Uh, go ahead over there and you can be XNXX. Go A hundred different places. Listen, go ahead and just type in the black podcast and you will add Siri, whatever you need to ask. Come on over to our website, man, and you'll find some phenomenal things taking place. But really what we're encouraging you to do is two things. This is a home to hear past shows, uh, future information about what we're doing. There's going to be all types of swag that we're currently working on. The website's going to be changing. But again, in order for us to continue to do that, and I am not a huge fan of this portion of the show because I know how hard it is out there right now for folks, man. Uh, yeah, but in order for us to continue to do what we're doing here in the black, we really need you guys to donate, man. So, yes, we're asking you for money uh, to sustain what we're trying to build here. There's two ways that you can donate. You can go over to Cash App, dollar sign in the black PDCST, or which I encourage you to do this option is to become a patron. If you become a patron, man, there is so much that you're actually going to get. You're going to get our wonderful, hilarious, not safe for anyone, your cat, your dog, your mom, your job, anyone, uh, off the cuff segment. But I guarantee you it's enlightening, it's encouraging, and it's just flat out funny. So become a patron, uh, subscribe to one of the tiers, and I guarantee that you'll love it. So please today become a member of this family, and we do sincerely appreciate all of our current members, man. Without you, there is no us. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah, so unless you've been living under a rock, last week we briefly talked about the police-involved killing of Tyree Nichols in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, Since our last uh, episode, they have since released the videotape of that encounter over an hour's worth of time Yeah, that literally showed the last minutes of this young man's life. Uh, For those of you that may not remember, five Memphis police officers, five black Memphis police officers pulled this man out of his vehicle for quote unquote driving erratically. Since that happened, uh, those five police officers have been uh, fired immediately and now we're finding out that two other police officers were have been given have been relieved of duty memphis police say in addition to the five officers fired and charged with second degree murder two other memphis police officers have been relieved of duty and are under investigation including preston hemphill also a member of the now disbanded scorpion unit created to patrol high crime hotspots police say hemphill was the third officer to respond to the initial scene seen here on his body camera video released by the city later you can hear hemphill say this oh, stop it. the family the police chief and the spokesperson for the police department would not say whether or not he was getting he was on paid administrative leave, which leads me to believe, yes, he's on paid administrative leave. Three, two EMTs and a lieutenant for the Memphis Fire Department were also fired. 
because of their actions or inactions during that whole stop. The Memphis Fire Department says two EMTs, Jamichael Sandridge and Robert Long, and their lieutenant, Michelle Whitaker, have been fired after failing to adequately assess Nichols on the scene after he was brutally beaten January 7th, dying three days later at the hospital. Um, I want to start this conversation off this way. People are seeing the swift movement of these decisions happening right now and looking at it as though this is justice or as though this is, as though it's a great thing. I just want to put it that way, as though it's a great thing. Do you, How do you guys feel about the moves that's been happening? Do you think it's a great thing? Are you happy to see these moves? Go ahead. considering the act that's been committed. Um, the response uh, by the law is correct. But has it been properly applied in uh, situations we have seen pretty much the same um, circumstances? No. Um, these are uh, situation you know, we see the same uh, scenario play out where you know this citizen has been abused by law enforcement and it seems that the system wants to cherry pick which uh, which lambs they want to put to the slaughter um, quote unquote. Um, the fact that these gentlemen were black was, was of course um, well not gentlemen they call them gentlemen anyway makes it uh, doubly heartbreaking and disgusting at the same time. Um, but, you know, it, it's, 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 it's funny what, it's ironic what the system choose, what that system chooses to, uh, how, when they choose to uh, get past their own, get past their own bureaucracy. It's, it's when they get to choose when they want to Pick, you know, it's funny when they get, to, you know, it's clear they have the power to move swiftly, you know, yeah, and 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 and, and 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 uh, the, to pick and choose one who, uh, in, in in cases that show the same circumstances, if not close yeah. to it, it's just um, this is it's, uh, the irony is is undeniable. Mm. I give you that. L. Oh. <sighs> Man, I wrestle with the concept of justice. Uh, I don't know what justice looks like for black people in America. Uh, I don't know what it looks like, what it feels like, because even justice that we are quote unquote given is given from those who have perpetuated the oppression in the first place. So it's literally the oppressor giving you justice. I don't believe that it's possible, whether it's intellectually, emotionally, or whatever lead we want to choose, that those who have gained their power off of the very folks that they are harming are capable of also giving fair, quote unquote, justice, right? 
I don't think that's what takes place. I think what has happened here is this has been nothing short of, well, let me not put it that way. This has been a sacrifice of these police officers. Uh, this has not been a, a act of they fucked up because when you begin to unpack uh, the police chief and other members of the police department, you see all these motherfuckers ain't shit, haven't been shit, won't be shit for a long time. So this is a sacrifice. This was police officers, these police departments sacrificing these gentlemen, right? And I use that term incredibly fucking loosely. Uh, these gentlemen to squell any sense of righteous uprising and fucking rebellion and revolt across the country. This is not necessarily new. I think in the past couple of cases, we've seen swifter movements of quote-unquote justice, where we had, in other times past, we were to wait for the DOJ to get involved and investigate some shit. This has been incredibly swift. I think it's been incredibly swift because of the egregious nature of it. Plus, I think there's a level of, I don't want to use fear, because I don't think they're they're afraid of what we would do. I think there's a level of- I think fear is the correct word. I'll say concern, right? Because I don't think they're afraid of us. Uh, Because if they were afraid of us, they wouldn't be doing the shit that they're doing to us. But I think there's a level of concern that they have of us getting together and tearing up some shit. but it's a sacrifice. I don't think it was justice. For me, I'm really cautious of using that frame because I yeah. think the family is the ultimately the ones who are should be able to define justice for is. them, what they want for yeah. them. Uh, because what my family would want for me is, is different than what that family would want. But no, not justice, not surprising that has happened this quickly. Uh, but no one, if you are of African descent, and you live in this fucking country and you are believing that this is some sort of progress or move in the right direction, that this is a sign that this system is somehow self-correcting, right? Because this is happening, you you, you really are really incredibly ignorant of all of the inner workings of how fucking evil this country has been and the depths of the oppression that they have inflicted across the globe. This was not an act of contrition. This was an act of pseudo-martyrdom. I mean, the, 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 the most, the, the, the finest police, black police officer is more expendable than the most corrupt white officer. <sighs> I, I don't think I could I don't think I could say it any better than what you guys have said it already man that these this I won't say that this was not justice what I will say is that we need to be very cautious of lauding praise on the district attorney the chief of police and all of these people involved for how quickly things happened yes I am not ignorant to the fact that in many of these cases it takes months and in many times years, even with video evidence before charges are even brought up or before we even get videotapes and all of that stuff. But I think in the wake of George Floyd, 
the city once again, and I'll use L's words, were concerned about what could happen given the egregious and despicable nature of the video. That's why they tried to get out in front of it as quickly as possible. This police chief, people have been giving her cookies for her swift actions, but I wanna make sure that we understand exactly who this police chief is. Chief C.J. Davis, every place that she has been a police chief, she has stood up a police task force or had led a police task force similar to the Scorpion task force that she had in Memphis. Jump out, boys. Red Dogs. With each task force, yes, she had the Red Dogs in Atlanta. She had another one in Durham, wherever she was. Well, I forget the name of it, but she had one in Durham, and she had this one. And each one, Durham and the one in Durham and the one in Atlanta, all of them have been disbanded. Corruption everywhere she goes. They, were, they got disbanded. And why do you think they got disbanded? Because, because once, like Elsa, because of corruption. And there was there were a line of bodies of people that were abused by officers. Cause, so she led including police officers. children. Yes. Yes, including children. So she's not a savior. She's not This a is hero. not a black excellence moment, ladies. It's not. This is not black it girl not. magic. It Don't is, it is not. This is not. It is she's not, not for they, you. They just disbanded the Scorpion unit. Do you know that it took her actually getting quote unquote input from that banded unit before she disbanded it? They had the family of this young man come out and say they want it. They want that. They want that police task force to be torn apart and disbanded. The DA even suggested it. She did not do that until her police officers came to her and said, yeah, we might want to tear this thing apart because it's just going to make us look even worse if we keep it. She had no intentions, none of disbanding this this unit. None. None. C.J. Davis comes from a school, I forget what his name is, but it's called the Broken Windows Policy. He was a former police chief uh, in New York City during thing? Giuliani. He is a, he's a complete and utter anus. The way that Broken Windows Policy essentially works is that if you allow one crime, even if it's the most minute crime to slide, it allows for other crimes to happen. And so they put together these units, similar to the Scorpion unit, that they have a longer leash, so to speak, to go out and crack heads and essentially put fear in people's hearts in the community. And let's not leave our politicians out of this whole mix, because it's these politicians that will ultimately come to... um, come to the police and the mayor and say, well, there's an quote unquote, an uptick in crime. We want to make sure that we look like we're doing something. So let's throw all caution and concern for the citizenry out the window and put together these groups that will go around and bust up heads. So it looks like we're doing something. And, and oh, I think one of the things that I found incredibly troubling, again, with this whole horrible tragedy was the idea that you had black people immediately go to spaces like it's always your own kind right it's it's i mean shout out to dumbass lebron for his tweet uh 
you know, just just saying things along the lines of equating. I mean, it was, even some black women, y'all not escaping this wrath that I'm about to give. Some black women were using this as an opportunity to to show how savage black men are. Because if you're not aware, ladies and gentlemen, this is a stupid ass gender war that is taking place largely on social media, particularly Twitter, where a group of black women and black men spend their waking hours on the morning arguing back and forth, trying to say who the fuck is worse, while we are constantly getting our ass kicked and killed on the street. You want to argue with each other about who's the worst fucking gender. You're a bunch of dumbasses. But I think the problem with this is largely the fact of we have people who do not and have not. Shout out to our, our homie, Carmen Ray, who did an eloquent post on social media about the nature of this and people falling for the it's don't black on black crime. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's been so swift. You know, those type of things. I. I am upset and concerned, fellas, that we've seen this takes place so many times that we still are falling for the same fucking tricks, right? Yeah. The same thing. You got these same fucking banana in the tail. It's the pipe. same banana. Like we haven't learned anything from George Floyd and all of the brothers and sisters who have been abused and killed in between till now. We still are giving the same fucking white supremacist talking points. Like, I don't understand how we have not evolved in our thinking. Like, yeah. I'm blown away. I understand, man. I mean, I don't it's understand scary. the avoidance of discernment for these situations is almost endemic to our people. Yeah. You know, it, it seems to be only a select few that care to, care, to care to sit back and be critical about the situation. It's easier to lump these things into the categories they want to keep them in. You know, yeah. and I, I don't see how you want to keep things. Like, you have the same outcomes when you, when you use the same tools. You know, I don't, and, and I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah, man, a good book that you should pick up to get a better understanding of how police units like this were formed and how it bleeds into other parts of the police department is a book called The Rise of the Warrior Cop by Radley Balco. It's an extremely good book and it gives a history of how these officers or how policing has evolved into this over centuries. I wanna to say to our listeners, man, whether first time, long time or last time, if you are someone who hears us talk about subjects, I don't want you to ever think that we're just giving you our unresearched opinions. If there's ever a subject that you hear us talk about and discuss on here and you want to learn more about that particular topic, you should send us a, a DM, an email. We will give you, I have resources, I have books, whether it's PDF or hardcover, that will cover just about every conversation that we've ever had on this show. And yeah. give you that shit for free because your stupidity Actually, and ignorance is costing Actually. us. Big time. There was a police unit, a uh, uh, crime task force that was formed during Giuliani's period that essentially, if you remember, Amadou Diallo was essentially mm -hmm. the, 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 cause, the cause of his death. 
For those that don't remember, Amadou Diallo was shot in front of his home when police jumped out of there, the task force jumped out of their vehicles uh, and jumped, pointed guns at him off, off Jump Street. And when he went to reach to give them his ID, his up. wallet, they dropped him with 40 plus bullets. Wasn't that, so, wasn't you look... No, nah, that was no, nah, that that was that was way before then. I think you're thinking about Sean Bell, and that was just that was another victim of another task force just like this. Mm -hmm. So, as that task force is a pretty large task force, and this is to speak towards how these task force recruit people like this, just like these five officers that killed Tyree Nichols to be parts, to be members of them. 6%, mm 6% -hmm. of this task force in New York was responsible for almost 40% of the police involved shootings in New York City during that time. 6% were responsible for damn near 40% of the police involved shootings to the point that the task force was then disbanded in 20, 2019, 2020, I think sometime around the same period of George Floyd. And our favorite mayor, Mayor Eric Adams, who said that he was a victim of police brutality, him and his brother, and has said that that was one of the reasons why he um, joined the police force, is now rebuilding or developing or bringing that task force back. He's bringing the task force back. So when you hear people getting excited, it's like, okay, well, she disbanded this task force. It's like, I had a conversation like this, matter of fact, the other day with one of our homies, and she was like, I'm excited to see, or happy to see, not excited, excuse me. I'm happy to see that she moved swiftly to disband the unit. And I said, no, this unit will be back in a few months, maybe a couple of years after the fervor dies down and they're able to justify putting this unit together again because some alderman or the mayor or whomever wants to look like they are tough on crime. Mm -hmm. And there are countless other task force just like this across the country that pull and recruit these ultra aggressive, ultra hyper, ultra, I won't even say ultra vigilant, but ultra malicious wow. men to be part of these organizations. Mm -hmm. Then, I mean, we are the night. Talks about the task force here in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. yep. I forget that there was one that happened in DC a few years ago. I was talking to one of our homies, Trent, who he does work with Law he does dabble with the law enforcement. Yeah, he, yeah he, he does work with law <laughs> enforcement. And I asked him, I was talking about the training. I said, how important is the training? Like, the training's got to be something, man. You can't expect police officers to spend three months and be and know the law and know how to operate and do X, Y, and Z. And he said, I'm going to tell you, oh, police take who they want to take. There are criteria to tell you what you need to have completed before you become a police officer, but they know who they're pulling and who they diverge to certain groups and so on and so forth. So at the end of the day, they're getting exactly what they want. There's no mistake here. There's no amount of training. 
We've talked about it countless times. It is the culture. It is the culture. The culture showed you in that video, in this 20-minute ass-whooping that they gave this young man, how they could, how there was several body cams that weren't on, even though policy says that you should have body cams on. But they found ways to manipulate their body and not have either not have the camera on or not allow the camera to see what they were doing. The policy shows you or the culture shows you that after they beat this dude's ass, they let him lay there for 15 minutes without get, rendering any aid to them. And during that 15 minutes time, they were high fiving, talking about how much they whooped this dude's ass. The policies, the culture is the same thing that we were talking about the last time that the federal government, the United States Supreme Court says it is legal, legal for each one of you to record the police in your day to day interaction with, if, with them if you need to. But the culture tells these police officers, if you get if you stop somebody and they start recording you, you pull Katy Perry out your ass and play that on your phone so that they can't post their video anywhere loudly. That's but the here's culture the thing. versus the policy. I want people to understand that I know there's a large number of you folks uh, who fall on the more liberal camp who continue to scream about reform and training and all of these things. And I want you to pause for just a moment with all of that rhetoric and research. Just type into Google number of law enforcement reforms in the past 20 years. Type in training for police officers, new training, how often the training gets updated, and you will be absolutely blown away about the amount and number of reforms that the law enforcement has undergone consistently the last 50 years. Reforms have taken place and continue to take place. Training continues to be revamped and more training and this and that. It is not reform that's going to save us. It's not more education that's going to save you. It is literally the destruction of all that shit is the only option. American law enforcement is the by far the most consistently resistant to change to legislative change. The only thing they update are the guns. Mm, I'll give you that. I give you the that. Thing, and, and the guns and the armor. It's the only thing they update. Yeah. 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 Everything else you know stays the same. Stays the same. That's why I said we didn't have this conversation. This conversation, yeah, the man. I mean, but we see that the the system the system is wretched, man. The system is wretched. I'll leave. I'll give you one more example. Do you know that Little Rock, Arkansas, they they have elected their first black mayor ever yes. in the history of the of, of Little Rock, Arkansas, right? And he ran on police reform. He ran on police reform. So he ran on police reform and he won his election. And the first thing he did was he found a black police chief to come in and start implementing some of these reforms that he's been talking about. And the reforms that they're talking about is nothing radical. No radical policy was pushed at all. These were like borderline reforms that many major cities across the country have been implemented. Have. But, the but the police union in Little Rock pushed back hard. No, 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 no. Hard. 
push back hard on them, hard on the point to the point that they, many people believe that they implemented this smear campaign and ultimately got the police chief fired. And then he ended up, the mayor ended up hiring a police chief that fit more in line with the police union and they've been okay ever since then. So the system knows who it wants and what it wants to do and who they're going to sacrifice and when they're going to sacrifice them because the system needs to keep doing what it's been doing, protecting itself, uplifting and upholding itself. And we got to figure, I, don't, I know Elgin and I butt heads about this a lot. Elgin wants police gone completely. And I don't necessarily dispute that angle. I think we do need to destroy the current system as we have it now and maybe have police come back under some other title because some people need to come in, collect the data and all that other stuff that happens when someone does something wrong. Whether you call them police or you call them fucking I mean, law, I mean, custodians I mean, law, or whatever. I, I mean, law enforcement as a concept is it's, it's innocent. You know what I'm saying? As a concept, it's necessary for modern society, for a civilization, for, you know, but but... What law enforcement needs to be in modern times has to be completely rewritten from the yeah. ground up to, um, re to reflect reality. You know, I think the idea is what does what does that look like, right? Do we just ultimately remove police altogether and then have uh, citizen watch groups, or I? I I, like I said, I don't know what that ultimately looks like, but I, I do know I with 100% certainty that what we have now does not does not fit the bill, my guy. I just not want people to get to a place where they can imagine or dream of a world where this type of oppression no longer Doesn't exists. Exist. I just, I just want, to, I want us to get to a place where having the conversation is, and again, this... Policing is so in connected to other systems that if yeah, one yeah. topples, capitalism got to go down. I mean, it's just it's it's a lot that has to fall, man, because it's just not about the violence that police commit in this area. It's also about the violence that they protect also. Yeah. You know that on the certificate, when you become a police officer, it says peace officer. You're not a police officer. You're not a constable. It says peace officer. That's what you that's what you are. A peace officer. The city of Memphis is 60 percent black with a median household income of about twenty five thousand dollars a year. But the city of Memphis also spends damn near 45 percent of its of its budget on policing. Just to think that that, that, you're, you're, that is below. I think that is almost average for most major cities across the country. Most major cities it's, it's across getting to the that country, point. their police budgets are at least thirty to forty percent of the budget. Yeah. Yep. Policing, and then we have to have a larger conversation about how much of America's but goes to the military. We could talk about those billions and trillions. I mean, we can have the conversation about Ukraine and all the money they've gotten for Russian bots. So let's go ahead and move on to something different. <laughs> Elgin, what we got on deck next, man? <laughs> man, literally, speaking of <sighs> policing and military, um, 
came across an article, man, that I'm pulling up where there's been a lot of conversation here lately about HBCUs and their role and their importance in the communities, right? Off the heels of your boy, prime time, leaving Jackson State to go to uh, Colorado. <laughs> you to, still sound like such a hater, man. It was Brian S. Ed Reed, you know, crying about Bethune Cookman. You know what I mean? But I think something that is more even insidious than the way that these universities, these HBCUs, have been playing footsies with the blackness leadership class, these black celebrities, right? Trying to get them to come in ultimately to get more revenue is the way that HBCUs have been involved with the federal government, particularly their relationship with Pentagon, uh, weapons companies across the country. HBCUs have been one of the chief um when these companies and the Pentagon and all these other defense companies are looking for new employees and looking for people, one of the first places that they actually go to is HBCUs. To the point where HBCUs, many of them, Morgan State, there's another one in Maryland that also has a relationship with a, a big weapons company. But anyway, the article talks about and Howard University becomes first ABCU to partner with the Pentagon. Yeah. And I don't, just the title for me was antithetical to everything that I believe an HBCU should be <laughs> rooted in. Having a relationship with the Pentagon, right? is not what I believe the HBCUs. Now, here's the other side, right? Here's the side that the conversation we need to have. Most HBCUs are not funded very well compared to PWIs. Facts. They do not have the money and the resources. So part of the argument that Ed Reed was making about Bethune-Cookman was half true, but the other half is these motherfuckers don't have the money. And it's not just because alumni are not giving back. It's not because all of those things. It's because even the motherfucking alumni don't have the money that PWI alumni That's true. have. That's yeah. true. Like PWI alumni are getting jobs at these top firms where they can give back. You graduate HBCU. You're not guaranteed to get a top job in a firm. So what you're trying to give back doesn't equate. So I think that's a larger conversation. But I think the problem here is these companies, these weapons manufacturers, the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, they are coming to HBCUs specifically and in some cases exclusively to hmm. build partnership with HBCUs in order to gain all types of resources and resources typically are more black bodies while the HBCUs are getting money from it. So I think it's a conversation that I think I currently attend a HBCU, but I don't hold this 
grand <laughs> view of HBCUs, like they are this wonderful pantheon of blackness, right? Uh, because even the HBCU that I learned is named after a former white slave master. So I just found it fascinating. So typically, <laughs> shots fired. Y'all can't hear me. But I see. <laughs> but I just think there's a conversation that even this idea that in our community, we hold HBCUs oftentimes to be black institutions. But are they? Okay. I think all of us at one point have gone to an HBCU, and I think that HBCUs deserve some level of Let's how long it takes and, to pull this HBCU flag out and wave it in there. Go ahead. Some level of love and adoration for what not only where they came from, but how they have sustained themselves in the face of not being able to get the resources and the monies that that many PWIs seem to get easily. There are and piggybacking HBCU. off of that point right there. Mm-hmm. The vice president of research at Howard University said that the contract that they're going to get via the Pentagon from the military is a $90 million contract. It's the largest research contract signed by HBCU in history. $90 million. Piggybacking off of your comment about the amount of money that they have compared to PWIs. Yeah. And I would I, I would beg, I would I would dare say that that $90 million would have been much larger if that contract had gone to, let's say, Texas State or some other, some PWI, to be very honest with you. That's just my belief. Oh, I, I don't have any numbers to, to back that up. It's just my gut feeling. But like I said, I sure. think that HBCUs have been getting, are getting a raw deal. And the raw deal, I won't say, is doesn't come, is not necessarily that it doesn't come from their own making, but at the same time, there is a level of, there's a level of survivor that's involved in HBCUs. Like, what do you, like, how do you sustain yourself? There, I think they said that there's a percent, maybe like two to 3% of all HBCUs now, and I, I, the number could be much larger than that. HBCUs across the country right now that are literally on the verge of closing down for it's good. Than that. Yeah. Yeah. So how so how do you sustain yourself in this capitalist world without getting into bed with certain fellows? You get what I'm saying? I how do you sustain you. yourself? Because you're I mean, you're not see, getting you're not getting the large endowments. You're not getting the numbers, the amount of alumni money that you would think that you want to get. Wildly but unfair. It, but do I have to sell out in order to get that money? But what is, what is okay, right. but I guess the question then becomes I what mean, is what is what selling, is selling out? out? What's the question? Getting, I mean, getting in the bed with the government is selling out. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what's going on with what, what, I mean, what that one university has chosen to do is really indicative of the larger issues that higher education as a whole are facing. Mm-hmm. You know, generational regeneration. There are certain institutions in our society that our young people are finding, are looking at through a completely different lens. Um, from marriage to career, 
and now education, um, where um, the value around higher education has come into question um, for this generation, and I think the, and even the next one. Um, when it comes to HBCUs especially, I think what they have always struggled with, and especially as time has gone on, has been uh, producing and even retaining prestige. As shallow as that sounds, um, they have not produced another generation of what you know it produced in the seventies and the eighties. You know, old generations of superstars and and and, and writers, and poets, playwrights. They haven't. They, they, it's not the same. It's not. It's just not mm -hmm. the same. Like those same geniuses are doing on their own. You know, or, or or doing it in PWI, or or taking alternative routes to their careers that aren't attached to large, largely black institutions. I mean, not to say that they that they have not produced some, but the trend is is changing. And like, in fact, I, I almost was a part of a part of a small group. I almost inter I interviewed for uh, a division at Howard uh, that was going to research the issues around um, HBCUs in the modern times. It's something that the whole field is suffering from, but it's acutely, it's suffering acutely with HBCUs because of you know the need for the prestige, the need for accolades, the need for a, need for a, a, strong, a, a strong reputation of producing super citizens, basically. Yeah, and I think the, the I think what people have typically is an unfair, unrealistic, unhealthy view of HBCUs. That HBCUs are supposed to be this pantheon, this bastion of blackness, right? That is supposed to be where you go to your your radicality, your your revolutionary understanding of blackness. Right, and I think that's unfair. I don't think I think that that's I think it's accurate to a degree. Not necessarily. That's not happening. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't not in its modern not in modern day HBCUs, but I'm thinking that oh, yeah. historically historically speaking, they have been. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know where they were. I don't know where they diverged. Sure. I'm, I'm being, uh, yeah. Let's keep it funky. I don't there's know. A lot of the movements that we know of that. spoke have 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 been built from HBCUs, but I don't sure. know where where it diverged from. Yeah, and I think at this point in time that there needs to be some more new analysis of the impact or what HBCU is. But I don't even know what the benefit of that analysis would be, right? Because the last thing I'm trying to do is dissuade people from attending HBCUs. But what I want- It sounds like that's what you're trying to do. Stop. No, I, I want us to knock down these, these unhealthy idols that we have, that we look to. So when they fail us and they don't live up to this mythical, fictional standard, we begin to call in question whether or not they are black enough, right? If we put it in the category of what it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be an institution of higher learning, mm -hmm. nothing more. But if we add that it's supposed to be a black institution of higher learning, then we got to begin to have further conversations. Okay, so what are we looking for HBCUs to give? Are we looking for them to just funnel out workers? 
to go into the capitalist system? Are we looking for them to funnel out what they funneled out in the 60s? Radical revolutionaries? So what blackness are we asking HBCUs to give us today? I I mean, like like I said, I don't think we can't get past the fact that many of these institutions are just trying to survive. Just trying to to survive. The fastest growing demographic at these HBCUs are white students because they know they're going to get the same or similar degrees for cheaper in most instances. So it's like, okay, so it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Listen, man, I think think it's, it's a complex, nuanced conversation. That has to be had. Go ahead, Crush. That actually started to happen in my school. Right now, mm-hmm. right around the time I graduated. I started noticing an influx of more white students at Williams. Yep. In '96. Maybe they shouldn't let white people um, in. But but I think the I think the thing that <laughs> I think the thing that HBCUs <laughs> also wanted to provide the most the most for the Academically ambitious black student, the safety, yeah, yeah. A sense of safety. Hmm. You know, because um, it would be very. You know, I I heard the stories from the uh, from the guys that tried to, that, that, that 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 survived Harvard. You know, the the insults and the, and the arguments they had to have mm. with professors. You know, hmm. and, uh, and, and and you know they and sometimes they didn't want to go out. They didn't want to go out at night at Harvard. These motherfuckers need mm. to start learning how to kick white people's ass. But that's okay. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> hands and feet. Hands and feet. They, hands they, and feet. they didn't want to get arrested by campus police. <laughs> no, I did. Listen, man, I understand. <laughs> Crush. What we got next, man? <laughs> Well, um, in the event that people have not, have not known, but I, I found out, you know, a couple weeks ago myself, uh, Hulu uh, put out a six-part streaming series on the 1619 Project, produced by Harpo Films and a, you know, another another company. I myself have uh, managed to get through an episode and a half, and you know, this was also brought to my attention because of uh, the project was called out by name by Governor DeSantis and his ban on all yeah. the and yeah. um, I know we have had our differing opinions and various perspectives on the 1619 Project, you know, um, and uh, I will say that the first episode and episode I'm getting through right now have been very, been very powerful. You know, uh, I can offer a, a brief synopsis off the top of my head if the cats want it, but I would recommend that you see it, um, see it yourself, see it for yourselves. Um, but uh, hopefully you gentlemen may have got a chance to glimpse it, glimpse of it, or you, maybe you guys have already read the book, but, um, you know, what do you think? Where everything away. I mean, I know this. Is, I mean, I don't know if Hulu's being performative or not. Well, they definitely gave uh, gave uh, Doctor Hannah. Um, uh, they definitely gave her all the leeway she wanted. With this, it seems so. Hmm. Interesting. I haven't seen the show yet. I have the book and have been going through the. You know, I don't do physical books too well. <laughs> But I've been going yeah, through Mr. the Audible. physical book. Mr. Mr. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. There's, there's, no, there's an audio book for 1619 Project? They, they, with, Samuel, I, with, the, with Samuel Jackson? I, <laughs> this, this nigga, shut the fuck up. So I have, I'm going, getting through the book now, and I I don't have a problem with the book. Um, but I so also far, will say... Crush, you and I are... You and I are 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 laid back and sensible. 
because you're the only person on this panel that seems to have a problem with the 1619 project. Well, look, look, now, mind you, I've only gone through an episode and a half. Okay. I guess I'm trying to get to the points where maybe things might be uh, underserved or rather not fully fleshed, fully fleshed out in every, in every aspect. But the, you know, the episode I'm in right now is definitely focusing on the reproductive justice for our, 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 the history of the lack of reproductive justice for black women. Um, and it's heartbreaking. It will, you know, if you got a woman, if you got a woman that you love, you, you, know, you may, uh, not been successful in having a child, you know, so we're definitely going to get to it. I could be completely wrong, but I took this book as a a research project, right? Yeah, I'm. Oh, having, these, are all, these I'm, are all these are all essays. These are all based on. Okay, so, so that's what I'm saying. I'm I'm I'm. That's what I'm trying to conceptualize in my own head without watching the show, right? What the what the series would look like, and ultimately, could the series do it justice? Now, with the both of us saying what we have to say and out of the way, I want to give Elgin an opportunity to openly and clearly articulate and surgically, his, surgically. Yes, it has to be surgical. Are your gripes. No, no, no blankets. Seat. No blankets. No, no, we know you want to keep it funky, but we want to hear it. No, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to shit on the project. Uh, one of my favorite scholars of all time who's written 40 plus books that people should have read before 1619 Project, Dr. Gerald Horn, brilliant brother, I mean, brilliant brother who contributed to the 1619 Project, which is rather surprising. Uh, I have not read the 1619 Project. I probably will not read the 1619 Project. Uh, so I'll keep my critique to the point of saying, if you do watch it, my hope is it gives birth to a desire to further investigate some of the things that you read uh, or watch in this series. I wish they would not have made the series, uh, the TV series. I wish, and purely from the standpoint of, I am concerned about black folk, black folk, African folk here in the country who are getting most of their black learning, black education via visual aspect, whether it be TikTok, YouTube, things along those lines. I they're not consuming books. And because they're not consuming books, they're not having study sessions. They're not having study groups. They're not fleshing these as, concepts out. They're not fleshing these it. concepts out. So there are going to be people who are going to watch the 1619 Project and take it from as pure facts. They're not going to unpack it, look for nuances, other perspectives. So that is my only criticism of the fact of being on Hulu. Uh, I have other things I can say about Hannah, you know, but that's, I'm not going to shoot those types of shots at her. I'm not a big fan of some of her stuff, but anyway, I think Hulu is, I think Hulu is being performative. I think it's time we see major networks bringing forth <laughs> This is going to be a shot. Bringing forth quasi 
black information or pseudo black information. Uh, it goes through a filter. It is. Yeah. It goes through a filter. It's, it's going to be. There's no way to have all those essays and it just be a six part series yeah. on Hulu to yeah. unpack all of that is in that book that is being yeah. largely criticized by everyone from Trump to DeSantis to, which is fascinating because it's clearly <laughs> demonstrated that these motherfuckers have not read the book. Read the book. Not read anything, right? But no, see, I was good. I didn't, I didn't. I'm I'm very surprised you behaved yourself <sighs> as well as no, 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 I mean I, I don't want to give you too much yeah, credit because yeah, yeah. I know in the next no, no, you'll, you'll be ready that. to shoot don't shots that, in a second I'll be shoot shots at anybody yeah I don't I, I don't but for anybody right, who's right, who watching it if you're watching it and you there's a subject that sparks your interest or piques your interest that's something that you want to learn more about if you want to learn more about Dr. Gerald Horn again Send me a DM or an email, and I will send you resources about anything that you're interested in. This is what I do. So, uh, hmm. yeah. I dig it. I dig it. All right. So before we close out or before we get into our what's up, I do want to give some shout outs because we posted this on social media and asked for folks to share their thoughts after the video of uh, Tyree Nichols was released what they thought about it or so the question that was posed was we want to get their thoughts on Tyree the Tyree Nichols incident did they watch the video and their thoughts on how quickly things have moved and is this what change looks like so we have our homegirl Drew Drew said that one she didn't watch it but she's glad that she fired them on the spot that she's hurt as a mom to learn about how he was so close to his mom and calling for his mom and not her not being able to save her son. So she was devastated by that. And she says that the swiftness that's happening in this one, in this case, should happen in all cases that have police-involved brutality and shootings associated with it. Uh, one of the homeboys, Al, he says he watched a piece of it. Unfortunately, this will happen again. The system of policing needs to be dismantled and rebuilt. Unless this happens, see you next tragedy. Uh, homegirl Keisha, she says, I have not watched the video and will not. She saw the interview that they did with the parents and she said that was enough for her. Um, yeah. Uh, and our boy Jay, Jay says, I watched the videos on Friday as they were released and have not rewatched them, but I took a large part of the weekend to read about the processes and the commentary and that this seems overall seems complicated, but at the end of the day, it seems like things are moving in the right direction. So those are just some of the comments that we got from, those are just some of the comments that we got from our folks as we posted this. Oh. To give a shout out to uh, our homegirl, Carmen, she said, uh, the number of apologists is outstanding. The institution of policing is corrupt. Also, whether or not there was an entanglement shouldn't matter. He solicited his comrades to beat the brakes off of someone and leave him for dead. Yeah, uh, I think part of what, she, what she's talking about is an entanglement. Yeah, don't mention that. There, it, yeah, don't mention, you don't, don't okay. mention but there there are some conspiracy theories that are floating around about what actually sparked this 
this altercation, which has not been confirmed by anything or anybody anywhere. So. All right, Crush, uh, right, sorry, my bad. Right about now is the time when we'd like to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. Crush, what's up? Hey, I just want everyone to please take time to uh, to care yourself and take stock of all the things that matter and that make you happy. Put more time and energy into those things that make you happy because uh, time is not your friend. <laughs> mm. yeah, no bullshit. That's facts. L, what you got? Man, I listen, man. I I don't know. There's been so many different things that has been happening here lately, man. That has really has me deeply concerned about the current state of our people and what we're facing. I just want us to be more vigilant, be more diligent, get involved in organizations. Uh, make sure that all of your paperwork is in order, whether it be your driver's license, gun permits, you know, get get in some self-defense classes, read some more books, take care of your health. Because I know it may seem as I'm being exaggeratory or hyper when I say that I believe that we are at war. But you kind of got to begin to look around at some shit and begin to say, yeah, man, that motherfucker might be right. <laughs> it's time for us to get it together. Yeah, I dig it. I know. Uh, what's up for me is just a quick shout out to friends being friends or standing up for your peoples. I don't know if you You're guys welcome. had an opportunity. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw it, but on Sunday, the Chiefs played the Bengals in the AFC Championship game. And the Bengals lost, and they lost by like the skin of their teeth. Uh, cornerback, I think I think it's a cornerback, either cornerback or linebacker named uh, Joseph O'Shea uh, calls the penalty on the last play of the game, which essentially <clears throat> put the Chiefs in position to, to kick a game-winning field goal. He got to the sidelines, and he was emotionally distraught. He was broke. He was crying openly on the field, on the bench, because he knew that what he did – possibly cost them the game and he got into the locker room and you know the how the media is they were like sharks they were ready to come and get him for asking him all sorts of questions now shout out to him quickly he didn't duck the questions but he was emotionally broken he was still crying as he was going through the interviews answering these questions and here comes his man bj hill to show up stood right beside him and stood with him throughout the entirety of the rest of those uh, those interviews, telling them, don't ask that question. Next question, you see what state he's in, leave this dude alone. Everybody, I think everybody needs a homeboy or a friend like BJ Hill in their life that you know that regardless of what, they've got your back 100%. So I want to give a shout out to good friends, man, because good friends are hard to come by. Let's, let's keep it going. Let's keep it funky. This nigga Elgin patted himself on the back extra hard, like he's like, ah, ah, almost dislocated his shoulder. <laughs> patted himself know, on the back. Man. I, I, know I, you one hundred percent, my guy, one hundred percent. And I mean, we've already had this conversation on the show a thousand times before. We know that once you pass forty, friends, Ooh. my guy, friends are hard. My like, guy, you start feeling like Drake's career. You know what? Uh, 
Crush, where can people find you if they'd like to find you, sir? <laughs> I don't yeah. want. Does Drake have a beehive? I don't want his folks coming after us. Go ahead, Crush. You can find my lonely ass at uh, on Instagram at SP Methods, uh, S P M E T H O D S, or at the Orange Crush with a K R U S H. L, where can folks find you if they want to find you, man? You can find L Kabong on the Twitters. L Kabong. E L. And Bumble. Face. K A. Bumble. Uh, what's the other one? That's out there? Uh, you won't find me on Grinder. I was about to say Grinder. I thought that's that it. No, no, not Grinder. No, no, no. You can find me on Twitter at L Kabong. I thought Grinder was a, like a no. I thought Grinder was. Bro, listen. I thought Grinder was a joke. I think Grinder is the one for our LGBTQ. Oh, my my bad, my guy. Yeah, I, I don't want. I didn't mean to insinuate. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just mean I didn't mean to insinuate that you. I just didn't know. My bad. My bad. Listen, folks, we're gonna end now before this turns into before it turns into something else. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I'm Big O, Mister in the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at mr underscore in the black. And I want to thank you guys for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us, and we appreciate it. Make sure you follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. Make sure you check out past episodes of our show at www www.intheblackpodcast.com and make sure that you come on over to our family page in the black podcast.com page and join hop on my guy IG. my guy huh? yeah what it does and come over and join our family come on and join our family over at patreon you will not regret it but until next time as always informed intelligent in the black, in the black. peace peace